Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's gospel, we hear the great story of the road to Emmaus. It's an extraordinary story written by Luke. Now, it has everything in it that makes it a great story. It has interesting characters, suspense, even a surprising ending. Now, this is just not a great story, but it's a great story with a great message for us all. It speaks to us about our church, who we are, and how we come in contact with the risen Lord in our daily lives. There's something deeply gripping about this story, the road to Emmaus, because it gets to the heart of our identity as a church. Now, this story has inspired artists and writers throughout the centuries. More to it, remember last week, the story of Doubting Thomas, we learned that the risen Lord is most clearly seen in the church. Thomas proved that to us. Well, now this story kind of gives us the same message. It tells us how Jesus makes himself visible to us in our daily life. Notice how it begins. Two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. Well, whenever you read the Bible, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, where people are traveling their destination always has some significant meaning to it. I'll give you some examples. The story of the Transfiguration. Jesus leads the apostles up Mount Tabor and he is miraculously transfigured before them. Heaven and earth unite in the most powerful way. Peter, remember, he wants to set up tents. He wants to stay there. But Jesus says, no, we must continue on our way. Where is their destination? Jerusalem. Jesus knows there lies his passion, death, and resurrection. How about the story of blind Bartimaeus? Jesus encounters Bartimaeus begging on the streets. He cures him. And at the very end of the story, it said, he followed after Jesus to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus now clearly sees that Jesus truly is the Son of God. And now he follows after him because he will be witness to the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, all these images are of walking, right? Well, the spiritual journey that we take with Christ in our daily life. And so where are these two disciples going? Well, to Emmaus. But that is irrelevant. Instead, what is relevant is that they are leaving Jerusalem. They are leaving Jerusalem, the place where all these great things have happened in the past few days. They're leaving. Essentially, what we learn from the very beginning of the story, these two disciples are precisely walking in the wrong direction. They're taking the wrong path. Now, realize in Jerusalem, 
Jesus has experienced his last supper, his passion, his death, and now his resurrection. It's a place that is a spiritual hotbed, you could say. It's a place also where the apostles have seen the resurrected Christ. And not just the apostles, Mary Magdalene, Mary, Cleopas, others have seen Christ. Now, if there's any place that you want to be, especially if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if there's any place you want to be, it's in Jerusalem. Why? Because of all these stories about the risen Christ in which he's appearing to so many different people. If you stay in Jerusalem, there's a good chance, there's a hope that the risen Christ will appear to you. More to it, who else is in Jerusalem? The apostles, right? You know, they remain in Jerusalem. Remember, the apostles represent the church. So, last week, again, we realized it's only in the church with the apostles that the risen Lord is clearly seen. Therefore, you want to remain with the apostles in the church with the hopes that you'll catch a glimpse of the risen Lord. And yet, where are these disciples leaving? Jerusalem. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? No. These disciples are walking away from the church, the apostles. They're walking away from Jerusalem, the hotbed of spirituality. They're walking the wrong path. And yet, what happens? It says, Jesus drew near to them and walked with them. Therein lies two great truths. When we walk the wrong path, when we walk the path away from Jesus Christ and his church, we're not going to recognize him. When we walk the path away from the teachings of our church or the values of our church, we'll be blinded to the presence of Christ in our life. And yet here's the good news. Even if we do walk the wrong path away from Christ, Christ will draw near to us. And here lies the second truth. If we are walking a path away from the teachings of Christ in his church, Jesus will draw near to us. It's a basic biblical truth. Our God is not some distant figure out in another galaxy waiting for us to come to him. Instead, on the contrary, our God is a God that searches for us diligently. In John's gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and then gives us that great story about how the good shepherd leaves the 99 in order to go search for the one lost sheep. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he publicly proclaims, I have come not for the righteous or the healthy, but for the sick and the sinners. Our God is a God that tracks us down, especially when we are walking the wrong path that leads away from him. And so the story continues. Jesus enters into a discussion with these two disciples. He pretends he knows nothing of what occurred in Jerusalem over the past few days. Well, these two disciples stand incredulous. A good analogy would be like after our country was attacked on September 11th, the next day, September 12th, your friend calls you up on the phone and they say, so what's going on? Anything new? Well, you would say to them, what are you kidding me? You know, our country was attacked yesterday in such a violent and malicious way. Hundreds of people lost their lives and you're saying what's new? Well, this is how these disciples feel or react. Now, they tell Jesus all the facts. And this is important. The entire story here hinges on this. These two disciples, they know all the facts. They know about the Last Supper, the Passion, the Death, and the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
What's their problem? They can't fit it all together. They can't fit it all together in order to see the big picture. That's why they're confounded and fused. That's why they're leaving Jerusalem and walking the wrong path away from Christ and the church. It's kind of like a puzzle, maybe a thousand-piece puzzle. You open the box, you pour out all the pieces on the floor, and all you see are pieces. You fail to see the big picture because you haven't connected the pieces together. Well, that's the problem with these disciples. What do they need? They need Jesus to open their heart, their mind, and their soul to piece together all these events so they come to know what really happened. Notice how Jesus responds to them. Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them what referred to himself in all of scriptures. When do we truly see the big picture? When we relate all of sacred scripture, the entire Bible, to Jesus' death and resurrection. You could say Jesus gives these two disciples an overview of salvation history. Jesus, his entire life was preordained or foreordained in all of Scripture. You could say in one sentence, to sum up the Bible, the entire Bible is all about Christ, his passion, death, and resurrection. It's all about God coming into this world to save it. One way to understand this a little bit better St. John Chrysostom once said, All of sacred scripture, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, should be read through the lens of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the entire Bible rests or hinges upon Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Now, the most important part of the story comes up. Jesus looks like he's ready to continue on in their way, but it's nightfall. So these two disciples welcome Jesus into their house. And so Jesus accepts. He sits down in table fellowship with these disciples, just like he did a few nights earlier with his apostles at the Last Supper. And now he does the same thing. He takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to the disciples. What is Jesus really doing? Well, he's celebrating the Mass. He's celebrating the very Mass that he celebrated with his apostles the time of the Last Supper. And what happens? Immediately, the disciples' eyes are wide open. They recognize who Jesus is, and he disappears immediately. It says they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Well, here are some powerful lessons for us all. First, we clearly see Jesus when we allow, when we surrender our heart, our mind, and our soul especially our intellect, to allow Jesus to interpret the scripture readings to us. We also see Jesus in the breaking of the bread, you know, his body and his blood that we receive at Mass. And see, where do we really see Jesus most clearly? Yes, in the church, but where in the church is he precisely very clear to us? Well, it's at Mass. It's at the Mass that Jesus is precisely ever more clear to us. I would argue every time we gather for Mass, in some ways we relive the story of the road to Emmaus. Think of it. What's the first thing that we do at Mass? We pray the penitential rite, the confidior. We say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned through my own fault. 
But we recognize there are times in which we too are walking the wrong path. We're walking away from Jesus, the teachings of his church. And now we ask for God's mercy, the very beginning of Mass. What's the next thing? Well, we sit down, we listen to the scripture readings, and we allow God to open our minds so that just like these disciples, now those scripture readings are interpreted to us by the Holy Spirit. Next, we celebrate the Eucharist. We break bread with Christ, just like these two disciples did. And we recognize the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. It is his body and blood that is on the altar that we come to communion and we receive and take into our bodies. That's why every time we gather for Mass, in some way, shape, or form, we relive the story of the road to Emmaus. Notice at the very end what happens. These two disciples are so excited upon having seen the risen Lord, they can't wait to tell the apostles. They immediately, they go back to Jerusalem. Now realize it's the middle of the night. Traveling in the ancient world at night was extremely dangerous. There were no lights, no street lights. You would have to travel by torch or lantern. Realize that in the darkness of the night, there were wild animals. There were also thieves and marauders waiting for you. And so people never traveled that night in the ancient world. It was far too dangerous. But these two disciples, they take the risk because they're so excited. They feel so compelled to go back to Jerusalem and tell the apostles. Here are more great lessons. Where are they going? They're going back to the church, back to the apostles to tell them what? They've seen the risen Lord in the breaking of the bread, just like we do at Mass. More to it, they're traveling the right path. They're traveling the path that leads back to Jerusalem and back to the church. How did the story begin? With these two disciples traveling the wrong path, the wrong direction, how does it end with them now traveling the right path in the right direction? The same thing holds true with us. The very end of our Mass, the priest says, go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, we can. And we now are traveling the right path. Just like these two disciples, we have seen the risen Lord in the breaking of the bread at Mass. And now we can go out into the world. And now always be traveling the right path, the path that always leads to Christ and the church. More to it, we can boldly proclaim that we too have seen the risen Lord, and we don't even have to utter one word. Just by our conduct, how we live our life, how we behave, is the best way to proclaim to the world, the risen Lord is alive and alive in us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.